0: This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry.
1: Lutherans are different on election and how that plays out in the life of a believer. Um, in that election is tied to the work of preaching, and it's only after you have heard that message and received it in faith that you can turn around then and say, um, I've been chosen in, the, in this work of preaching where God gives us His Holy Spirit, so therefore I can trust that this has always been part of God's will. Um, but that tension still remains that there always remains in the, the fallen human, in the old Adam, the ability um, to reject the gift. And so I, I think I think the thing I would get at there is we don't look forward with election and predestination. We only ever look back as part of the promise that you're trusting in. Um, because your assurance for us just doesn't come from this idea of election per se it comes from the present word and work of Christ in you every single day that was one of my questions from my brief oh cool yeah so it's it's from that it's from that with the work of the holy spirit uniting you in faith to christ every single day that you look backwards to election but it's that thing that's happening now that counts that is the real Sort of thing. What's
0: interesting though, because Luther's so existential, psychological himself, but the grounds for assurance are in very concrete things, mm. backwards things. Yeah. That's what's, uh, you don't expect it because a Calvinist lodges his assurance in, hey man, I've been uh, left. I have, I have a existential comfort that can have outward similar, Calvin mm-hmm. talks about baptism and Lord's Supper being buttresses for our faith, but.
1: And isn't this, what is it called, the proper syllogism or the, right. you, you, the practical syllogism? You take, the, you take your, some assurance from the fact that you see the fruits of the Spirit working out in your life. Right.
2: The third. That,
1: yeah, and that is the rub, I think, with, because every theological system has uh, uh, an area that causes anxiety. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like the, the Catholics... Lutherans, Reformed, you know, and when I say Reformed, I'm really talking about broader evangelicalism, which has adopted a lot of Reformed theology around this issue. When it comes to assurance, it's like, well, I had a conversion experience, so therefore I know I'm elect because I made a profession of faith, and how I know that is because I have fruits that bear. Or show my worthiness of repentance. So then now it's putting it on you. So that creates
2: anxiety. The Lutheran anxiety comes, do I, do I believe?
1: Which you you don't ask that question. Uh, like,
3: but you have to,
1: right? Um, in, in a sense, yes, but not insofar as you're saying, you're looking into yourself and saying, do I truly believe? Can I feel that I really trust it? Um, because that's when you're you're turning into yourself, like that. That becomes where the ground of your assurance um, is something other than just saying, "I've been baptized. I have this promise. Um, it just is there. I know it." Um, and that's a that's a that's a hard that's a slight distinction, and one that you won't always feel in day to day life. But that's the that's the kind of thing. That's what Luther would say is. Um, the assurance is just that I know that I have been baptized and I have been given these promises and that that st- statement of that knowledge isn't in, in fact you know a sort of declaration of trust itself um, to go on what you were saying about anxiety, uh, the way I understand it is that the Lutheran understanding of predestination or election, one of the things it was meant to do was to remove that fear. Um, because in saying that you are elect in the act of preaching, you can trust that you've heard that word declared for you and to you. You can't trust that you're predestined from the beginning of time or that you weren't damned from the beginning of time. So you can, you can dispute whether or not you think it's a good theological move, but it's meant to say that you have assurance because you've had this word preached to you. And the logic works backwards then. Because you've had this word preached to you, therefore, you can make this declaration about what must be true um, in God's work of electing, even before the foundation of the earth. But you just can never go the other way. I'll speak
4: experientially, though, mm-hmm. uh, of a, maybe a, a middle point about election being something of assurance. Cranmer talks about this. We talk about this in the Kramer class. Um, perhaps I can't be assured that I am elect or, or I can't sort of seek assurance from whether or not I am elect, but there is a definite assurance in the fact that God is an electing God. Mm. Um, and I find great comfort in that. You yeah. know what I mean? And I just, I guess I'm speaking for myself phenomenologically.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, and when I tether the fact that God is an electing God, Plus he shows up in events in my life to m- declare promises to me. Those two things combine for robust assurance. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That kinda makes me go, and I can go one step further and praise God I am elect. Yeah. You know, it's sorta weird and maybe that's presumptuous of me. But <clears> the promises <throat> plus the knowledge of God as an electing God.
0: I, maybe, yeah, I don't know. I would add to that just I don't know. Uh, for I don't know what the content is behind Luther's. I've been baptized. I've received these promises. What are the promises? Well, uh, whatever yeah. the theological the the component is, I think Paul experiences it in Romans eight sixteen when he mm-hmm. says, "The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God." Yeah. I don't know that there has to be content, even, yeah, yeah, but to go. Yeah, I know I'm God's child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of the baptism, because of the justification, I've received the promises best child and therefore because god's an electing god so
4: says scripture i am elect you know and maybe it's syllogistic but
0: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i think i think for the average christian in the world their phenomenological experience doesn't have this theological content behind it but mm-hmm. it's i know best child mm. i don't know what that feels like for other people i know what it feels like for me yeah, I don't have, and there's no resting in my works. There's no sense of I'm looking at my fruit. There's just, oh yeah, I've received the promises, and that's good. That feels good.
1: Yeah, I, I hearing this, I wonder if I'm being very clear. Um, when saying that sort of election is 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 worked out in the in the work of preaching, it's not to say that it's disconnected from the fact that God is an electing God who has this will that, you know people have been chosen before the foundation of the earth because that's something we you know we'll hear more about in the bondage of the will is that this is true um, but it's just that we don't place our trust in our knowledge of that will as it were yeah. other other than that we've heard right. the gospel today right um so i'm just saying that that's the, the comfort works yeah backwards
4: yeah it's kind of a derivative assurance not the main assurance Maybe you wouldn't even call it an assurance. You call no, it I,
1: it think, I think I a comfort or a blessing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, th- I think you receive assurance from it. Um, There's a little chapter on
0: assurance in Westminster.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: else the hidden God revealed yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. We'll that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I didn't see Cranmer talked about, talked about uh, in his, I think it was in his sermons, 15, whatever, 40, I uh, 47. his sermons just talking about receiving a comfort and assurance yep. from God's election
2: I think uh, Ashley know persuasively tracks parameter's theology of the heart as he calls it with all the emphasis mm-hmm. in the liturgy you know, heartily thankful comfort assurance of that holy word all the sort of sensual language that there's a received and experienced comfort yeah, the um, felt comfort that's hung on the perfect sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction of the sins of the whole world satisfied at the cross, you know, marked by the resurrection that then it becomes known.
1: So that's cross pollinating your classes there. that's that's fine though. You know, Cranmer was a he was a mensch. So,
2: we're going back to where you were a few minutes ago, Ferdi's mm-hmm. book, Theology is for Proclamation, is that what that's. Can, can you unpack that title and tie it into the Lutheran understanding of election being affected via the preached word? Is
1: yeah. a yeah. no way of putting it? Um, in a lot of ways, I'll just put it in different language. Ferdy is Pushing back against this idea of, um, you know, there are levels of discourse. There's sort of abstract theological discourse, and then there is, um, I think, we call that first-order discourse. And then there's a second-level discourse of proclamation, and there, Ferdi is just saying that that first-level discourse um, doesn't help anybody. Like, it first-level discourse should only exist to Shape and norm our second level discourse. Um, you know, and Bayer talks about this too in Theology of the Lutheran Way of just saying the work of the theologians is just meant to be helping the pastor on Sundays. And that's, the, you know, that's the only reason academic theology exists. How about that? Just as the pastor works every Sunday to keep people alive, just week to week. And that that has to be the intimate link between academic and pastoral theology, uh, and that I think that's what Ferdy is getting to: is that as an academic, we are trying to distinguish and define things appropriately, scripturally, um, being as theologically clear as we can, so that this can this message can be proclaimed, and so that people will. Receive that electing word of God on the Sunday morning.
4: I love, I love that that uh, Bayer, I mean that really rang true for me uh, when Bayer said that the divine service is the context where primary theology is done. Mm-hmm. This classroom is secondary theology.. Yeah. We're talking about
3: yes.
4: primary theology, but yeah. God does work on his people in the divine service. Yeah, you know I just love that. It's beautiful. And that an academic's job is to help a pastor help the people of God.
1: And That's if every cool. if everybody had that mindset, it would be the landscape of Christian academia would be it totally wildly did. different. And this rift between the seminary and the church
4: that has been so crushing to our clergy and mentorship
1: would you know, erode a little bit more. And that you know that just goes back to you know, something we talked about again yesterday is that every human is, the, is a person who receives that address from God, I am the Lord your God and therefore every person is a theologian um, and theology is done in that address that you receive from God and what you say to God, it's not first what you say about God but it's in this living um, communication which gives life um, so so in that way, yeah, we are sort of secondarily theologians in here right now. Um, but we hope that the work that we do translates to proclamation and pastoral care and giving comfort to people who are um, dealing with all the troubles of the world and their tentatio. <laughs> um, is that?
3: Helpful? Yeah, it's all helped.
1: Okay. Would you say that
3: in in, in counseling that it's necessary um, to use that second person plural, like to apply our theology, we talk about theology here in the classroom, but then when it enters the realm of preaching and counseling and stuff, to truly apply it, we got to stop talking about it and start giving it to people by saying for you and your salvation kind of thing. Do you think that's necessary? Because I think a lot of times what I hear on preach in preaching is a preacher who cares and loves about the congregation, mm-hmm. but typically puts forth a lot of propositions. You know, like talks about this or that, and you know, it's kind of like um, recently in a counseling session. You know, there it was. It was like a the broad statement: there is no condemnation, where it's like I think the person needs to hear he or she is not condemned you know you stand right before god instead of just this proposition about it but you know to kind of apply it to the people because because i think if you're just talking about it in the third person you're just kind of theologizing and talking about yeah. god in a service people are sitting there like i don't know maybe i'm the damned, maybe i'm the right you know <laughs> i don't really know where i sit you know yeah. But to hear it from the mouth of god the you know mouthpiece of god saying that i love you yeah. for you and with you is much different. I that's Do you think one that's of, necessary?
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. one of Luther's key things in Galatians is that, you know, Paul doesn't say there's the Son of God who is love and who gave himself. No, it's the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, we we own those prepositions and he calls it, you know, the proper application of the preposition. And it's, it's you know, it's the work of the preacher. Um, to apply those to people. And and the way that typically works out is when you proclaim the law, you talk about we and us and our common condition together, but when you proclaim the gospel, it's you. you. It's you, it's you. This promise is for you. And you you can obviously make those sort of abstracted statements of saying Jesus Christ has removed the condemnation of sin, but there always has to be that therefore. Therefore, he has received the condemnation that belongs to you. Yeah. yeah. Um. And how
3: how uh, universally are these, you know, declaratives, you know, proclaimed? Just, you know, like, do Lutherans believe in street preaching, or are they only believe in like preaching to baptized members of, or not members, but just people who, or who, whosoever happens to walk into the church, you know?
1: You gotta preach to every will that's bound by sin. <laughs> um, and that's all of us, you know? Um, we don't do a lot of street preaching because the German church comes, or the, you know, the Lutheran church comes from Germany and Scandinavia, and that's not the, their sort of style or way of doing things. <laughs> <Cold>. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be in the church where it's warmer. <laughs> but it's all, and, you know, they also have a you know, stronger belief about the way that preaching fits within the flow of the liturgy. And of um, delivering to you those sort of prom- baptismal promises, and then directing you to the presence of Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper, so that you can tangibly and substantially receive that forgiveness that you've already been—it's already been declared to you. Um, so I—I I, I don't know about street preaching; we don't see it very often, but I wasn't really—I mean, I'm a.
3: The the reason I'm imagining is every actual example in mind, but mm-hmm. there's a there's an issue with a, a particular person that I talk to quite often. And his issue is he doesn't want to apply those second person plurals, you know, to everybody there because he's in his mind he's like, I don't know, right? I don't know if Jesus died because he's you know yeah. Calvinist, I don't know if uh, he died for every single person there, so I can't say that <laughs> in my like, conscience, and so it kind of zaps the whole system of <laughs> you know. Um, applying these things, hmm. unless you just, I don't know, but what's helped me qualify it at least is like, okay, everybody's in the church, they're sitting under the word of God, you know, I feel like they'll make that distinction themselves, yeah. you know, these promises aren't for me how they are.
4: I wrestle with that very pragmatically uh, in the way I've led worship through, the, through our liturgy and through the moment. Uh because it's not prescribed for us and because there was a shift when I started thinking about this stuff in third person declarations to direct address uh, from what Presbyterians often call assurance of pardon to absolution. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had people come up to me and say, how can you declare God's forgiveness to everyone? when not everybody might be forgiven by God. Um, And I've gotten to the point now where, so that's that's actually not, what is my job is to declare it. God's job is to apply it where He will. And that's kind of the power of the, of the way the word works. Um, And unless a person is directly addressed in that manner, they often can't hear it clear enough Mm -hmm. to receive that word. But that's a tension for reform folks, because some reform folks will argue that absolution is okay, and some people will say it's not because it feels priestly and that's giving us too much power. That's only Jesus' power, and uh, I mean, the Lutherans don't wrestle with that. The ultimate rub
0: is really just limited to telling them, really, did Jesus die for you, or did Jesus die for somebody like you, or? I mean, but I don't have any problem with what just a- Yeah, and
4: I, I, I don't, I don't even think that actually comes to bear in that moment. I, I feel like I can still believe in limited atonement um, and declare, I'm not saying you're not saying it, but... Um,
1: I'm not saying, you're not saying declare, it, but I don't
4: say it. So. Right, your mom, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's obviously
1: not a hang up for us in terms right. of limited atonement. Um, and, oh gosh, what was I gonna say? Um, yeah, and, and, and we just have this strong sense of the doctrine of the keys. That, yeah. that it has been declared to us that we do have the power to yeah. utter this word um, and that that word means something yeah. um, so that, that's the sort of assurance that the minister is supposed to take to the pulpit or into you know, the counseling session or whatever that you've been given this word which is not your own word because that wouldn't do anything for anybody but you're saying nothing than the word of Christ to people um, that word creates
2: rather than finds Yeah. very object it's yeah. very object The
1: unique yeah. yeah and that's part of the problem is how, you know, how can you know that people are repentant or how, that they have been forgiven it's like well that's not really the issue because like thesis 28 says the love of God isn't looking for things to attach itself to it's looking people to, to, cre- to recreate them <laughs> um, yeah so you just say the word <laughs> and trust that God is doing His work in it. Um, there are, I think there are obviously distinctions with how that works out in a Lutheran service versus um, the Reform, but I'm, I think that's a fairly accurate indication of how we um, think of the work of, of proclaiming absolution to people.
0: Courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one week or semester length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.